Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace before God and men. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. When our, our Lord came into this world, the world in many ways was much not uh, different to our present age. An age of uh, godlessness, materialism, savagery, barbarism. Uh, and we, we might be tempted to think, well, what impact has our Lord had? Well, really, if it wasn't for our Lord, we would not be um, living in uh, this country, and we certainly would not be living in the order and structure we see today. This is due to the coming of our Lord, who brought us this beautiful grace uh, to uh, show the love and charity which prepared the way for civilization. So it's thanks to our Lord. But in our rejection of our Lord, we become... Uh, society is returning back to this state of, of uh, barbarism, of, uh, of evil we are seeing around us today. And this, this is very uh, fitting then that we look at this whole question of the family. You know, often we can ask, well, especially in today's society, what is a family? Because there are many, many false uh, ideas of a family that are being pushed today by uh, the enemies of our faith even unfortunately by many in the hierarchy today, as we saw recently with that perverted document that came out from the Holy See. Uh, they are, all are the, the visions, the version of a family which is not the family at all. And that's why it's so important this feast all the more today to recognise what is a family. And perfect example of what is a family um, is what our Lord presents to us uh, in his life. Uh, uh, father and mother and uh, a faithful faithful child who serves God uh, reverences his parents and use, does uh, this despite the fact that yeah, our Lord was greater than his parents our Lord knew more than Mary and Joseph um, and in many ways we could say actually he could have done without them and yet he submitted to them as though he were dependent upon them as though he needed them to teach him something and yet he didn't why because he teach us to teach us something to teach us how we ought to be as children and to show us what is the real concept in the mind of God of a holy family and what is the concept of a family and again Mary was probably much more virtuous than Saint Joseph but she also obeyed and placed herself under his guidance direction and protection she was greater than Joseph, and yet she submitted to him as though he were greater. He was greater in authority, uh, but not greater necessarily in virtue or holiness. And yet she submitted him, herself to him uh, in a very docile and humble uh, manner. Today we, we are confronted in a world we, of the selfish man who idolizes himself. And this makes for married life very difficult very difficult and that's why unfortunately we see today over a million families in australia and we can what i'm going to say applies all throughout the western world today over a million families in australia single parent families and i'm not having a go at the single parents but that is a tragedy it's not a it's not something noble and it's not the concept of a family it's a tragedy and usually somebody walks out on you or somebody's responsible for raising the children and they're doing their, their duty as the best they can and obviously sometimes it happens one one spouse dies uh, so again I'm not having a go at the uh, the, this, uh, the parent 
But I am pointing out a reality uh, that this is as a result of the selfishness, the lack of commitment, a lack of uh, being able to live in stable unions today uh, due to the selfishness. And uh, we are seeing over 50% over of the marriages today uh, end in divorce. And often not long after they're married. Uh, well, why did they enter marriage in the first place? Well, they had a false notion of what marriage is. Uh, they thought it was about themselves. Uh, when they learnt that um, after the honeymoon is over, they, they're not uh, seen as the greatest thing in the world, they start to wonder, what did I get myself into? And then they want to look for an option out. And we have up to, in those people who do get married, we have up to 40% of marriage in Australia today where there are uh, no children. And again, sometimes it can happen through no fault of the spouses, but a lot of the times it is due to the fact either they marry late or they don't want any children. Because, again, they think the marriage is about them. Uh, marriage is actually not about you. It's not even so much about your spouse. It's about the family that you are to raise together with your spouse for God. That's a concept that, that is hard for us to grasp. In fact, it's a hard concept to grasp for anyone after original sin. Uh, to think it's not about me and to think that it's actually about the godly children I am to raise, I think very few, even good Catholics, enter marriage with this thought, this grasp. And it's to show how far today we have gone from the proper concept of a family. Uh, often we think about ourselves in our in our marriage, not even so much about our spouse, not even so much that I am going to be ready to lay down my life for everything uh, in the family, for everything for my spouse. It's often uh, about me. And that's, it's again, we start off on a, on a wrong note. You know, recently we had the, um, the retreat for, for married couples and and if I must confess, at the beginning, I thought to myself, well, a lot of these people are older people, not necessarily old, but they are older people. And I think, what, what are they doing on this retreat in the first place? But at the end of the retreat, from all the good feedback we received, I could see that it was, it was actually necessary for them, even though they'd been married many years, to just to refocus the very purpose of why they got married and make sure that they are filling in the gaps of the things that they should have been taught but we're not taught necessarily. And today, you know, before we do marriages, we, we make it essential, obligatory, that we give marriage instructions uh, of things which are in the past were not necessary even to, to give to the spouses. Because in past days, these would have been understood not only from their parents, their, their family members, but from society as a whole, which all had a, a proper understanding of marriage and family due to the fact of the Christian society around them. Uh, that all supported this idea. You know, we have a, a saying in the East, which you, there's another expression in the West, but in, in the East they say that one hand doesn't clap by itself. In other words, you need two hands to clap. But the, the, the English version is much more clearer than that. You, it says you need a village to raise a child. In other words, it's not just the parents that raise the family. And I think that concept where you think it's just, just the parents that raise the family, we, we believe this because we've been impacted by a Protestant mentality in our world today. Uh, 
The Protestant is individualism. The Catholic family, and this is, again, you just take it from the liturgy. Uh, how many members do we have in the, uh, as members in our family in the Catholic Church? Well, trillions. That's why we insist on all the, the great feasts of our Lord, our Lady, the saints, the patron saints, the guardian angels, all these great figures of the Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, why? Because the family isn't just the, uh, mother and father and children. It's a, it's a big package deal. And God intended the whole big uh, human race to be the one family of the children of God. But we deviated from that and some became children of the devil uh, by deviating from the, the plan of God. But the point is, the, the Catholic concept is we work together as a society, not just as individuals. We work together as a society to build up uh, the family life. And here, you know, often we, what is the problem with many when they enter marriages? This is, they have no vision for their family. Why am I getting married? What's the point of this? What's the long-term purpose in all that I'm doing? And in their marriage, uh, they don't even pause and reflect and say, look, okay, where am I going? Where is our family going? And what do I expect from my family? Uh, good families, holy families, they don't just happen. Perverted families, they just happen. That's what you're seeing today. You're seeing perverted families because there's no real thought process as to what is a family. Uh, holy families are the foundation of society. If they crumble, society crumbles with it. The litmus test of any society is the, the holiness of its families, the stability of its families. If it's not there, well, the society in, in that place is going to rack and ruin. And that's what we are, we are seeing today all around us. And so many poor children, unfortunately for them, because the people who got married or had these children weren't thinking and still don't think about these children, but they, they suffer the, the consequence of all this. They are brought up in unstable uh, families where they have no concept of either mother or father or family life, and they suffer as a result. And they don't just suffer when they're with their parents. They suffer for the rest of their life. The whole life long, uh, they are in suffering and mental anguish because there was no proper formation. So they go through life uh, disordered because they were brought up disordered. And uh, those of us who were brought up with uh, good parents, today we thank, we thank God. We had a good uh, upbringing. We had a good, happy family life. Yes, with all of its trials and difficulties and tribulations. But we are thankful because of any stability that we have in us, it's because, because of the foundation we were given by our parents. And so many today um, are not given that. And just speak to any any teacher in any modern school today, the disaster they have to confront on a daily basis, uh, it terrifies them. Uh, it makes them want to leave that beautiful vocation of teaching because of the, the, uh, the wicked children that they have presented to them by wicked parents who formed them. Uh, it's a reality. We see on a global scale today, uh, we have to have a right vision. The early Christians were surrounded by a pagan culture. What, how did they respond to this? They simply created a counterculture. And that's why you see uh, today all the beautiful things like the artwork, the music, the literature, the poetry. These were the things that uh, as a result of the early church responding to the evil culture around them. How do we respond? By a Catholic counterculture. Beauty of art, literature, music, 
uh, all these things that are necessary to make us the, the righteous men of God. And I want to give an example, which is not the pivot of uh, my talk, an example of a Roman emperor. Uh, it gives some very interesting points uh, which he learned, which helped form him uh, to become an upright person. And here I'm talking about Marcus Aurelius Antonius, the Roman emperor who lived from 161 to 180. And, and look at the point where he makes that it was the whole society around him that helped form him to the great uh, leader he became. He says, from my grandfather, Verus, I learned good morals and the government of my temper. In other words, he taught me how to live uprightly. From the reputation and remembrance of my father, I learned modesty and manly character. He learned from his father to be meek and at the same time to be brave and strong. That manly character, which should be the, the example of all fathers. From my mother, I learned piety and beneficence and abstinence, not only from evil deeds, but even from evil thoughts and further simplicity in the ways of living, far removed from the habits of the rich. And, and this is a very important point for our younger generation. Our younger generation, particularly in Australia and the whole West, they want to live like they're, they're rich and they are actually poor. So they work all week and at the end of the week, they really often got very little to show for it uh, because they want to uh, have a coffee there, have a party there, have a thing there. Yeah, but it's nice you want to do these all these things. But you have a duty to live a life that is somewhat a bit more modest and reserved according to your station in life. Uh, so that later on when you enter into a marriage, you've actually got something to contribute <coughs> to it beyond your external uh, facade. And this is... a something I will speak about more uh, at another time, but today most people are just that, a facade, and beyond it is totally empty and hollow. And that's a sad thing we are seeing more and more in, in people's faces, just hollow men, empty people who are living a life like a zombie. And that's a sad reality. I see it more and more, it's getting worse and worse, uh, and people becoming uh, dumber and dumber as the years go by. And that's the result of, again, there's no one to guide, teach, and direct these, these poor souls. He says, from my great-grandfather, uh, I have learned uh, good te uh, teachers and to know that it is on such things that a man should seek after. That is, from the ancients, we should seek after wisdom. From good teachers, we should be able to seek after the ancient ways to learn from them. From my governor, he says, I learned to neither be for this or that party, uh, nor to be uh, so impressed by the gladiatorial games. Today, the only thing that our young people seem to be enthusiastic about is sports, the God of sports today. If only they had the same zeal for God that they have for sports. Uh, from my friend Dijius, uh, I learnt not to busy myself with trifling things and not to give credit to what was said by miracle workers and, and all these kind of people. In other words, don't be impressed by the hype of the day. Today we would use the word media, the media hype, which we see uh, stirring up the people. From my friend Rusticus, I received the impression 
that my character required improvement and discipline, and from him I learned not to be led astray by sophisticated emulations, nor to the writing on speculative matters, and to write my letters with simplicity. In other words, to be honest, realistic, and uh, firm about reality that confronts him. From Apollonius, I learned freedom of will and undeviating steadfastness of purpose. What's my purpose in life? What am I here for? Be what I should be what I should be. Be doing what I should be doing. Today, we live in a life of constant distraction. There's no steadfastness of purpose. It's just whatever the wind blows in, and that's disaster. From my friend Sextus, I learnt a benevolent disposition and the example of a family governed in a fatherly manner and the idea of living conformable to nature and gravity without affectation and to look carefully after the interests of friends and to tolerate ignorant persons and those who form opinions without consideration. Fatherly manner and patience with those around him. From Alexander, the grammarian, I learnt to refrain from fine-folding and, in a, uh, a, and not in a reproachful way to correct those who <coughs> uttered any offensive or strange-sounding expressions, but rather to introduce the very expressions which ought to have been used to. So, well, here's a better way of putting this or that thing. And this, this is very important for us. We live in the world but our spirit is not of the world. And the danger for us is to, to raise a family isolated from the world. And this is not, never has been, the Catholic vision. The Catholic vision is, to, is, is much like raising um, little garden beds. Maybe you put a, a, a things around them to protect them when they're at their beginning stages. But you're there to prepare them for the storm around them. And I think it's a fault of parents to disorderly uh, shelter their, parent, their children. It's not to say that we expose them to dangers, no, but that we teach them to be able to confront the reality uh, of life. We prepare them for the reality of life and we, compare, compare, we prepare them because we want them to be a light in the world. We want them to be brave in the world and to be brave in the world means that in the world the world is not a nice place the world is a tough place and the world is full of tough critics and unless you're tough you're going to be crushed by the spirit of the world and we don't want to prepare our children to be crushed because they are not going to be under our uh, guidance forever we must teach them to prepare them for the world obviously in a good and holy environment, but at the same time, prepare them for the environment that they are to face. And this is why Pope Pius XII says, therefore, in regards to parents, he says, it is your duty to guard the child and yourselves from everything uh, that can endanger the honest and Christian life which you and your children are supposed to lead. Without a thought for the danger involved, uh, they, that is Catholic parents, allow themselves and their children to indulge in imprudent reading shows, uh, relationships and uh, such practices. And, you know, today, again, 
often you see the older generation complain about the way the younger generation is. And my, my response is, I hate to tell you, that you formed this generation. And if you're unhappy with them, it's because you betrayed them. You didn't tell them what they needed to hear. You emphasized so much the material success. You didn't point out to them the necessity of loyalty, of principles, of virtue, of the spiritual life. You emphasized only the material things. And today, you reap the rewards of what you sowed yourself, uh, this wicked generation in which we live. We, we, we reap the reward of what we sowed because we betrayed this younger generation. The children must, at the same time, be prepared for the world around them. Uh, this, uh, before I came up here on the Friday, some of the young people that I, when I, when I was teaching them many years ago, they've all grown up since, and they said to me, Father, we would like to catch up with you. And this is like maybe about 10, 20 of them. And uh, I was so impressed that I said to them, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm very impressed, I'm very uh, proud of you young people because you've all come not only a long way um, in your life, but you've made some very good decisions. You've not only kept your faith, but but you, your vision of life, you're dating people who are who are worthy of, of you and uh, love the faith, and you have a Catholic sense of all that uh, you're doing. And I think that's a credit to them, credit obviously to their parents, but also credit to them. The world is tough for them. The world is not friendly to them. Uh, the world is very anti-Catholic, very uh, godless, and yet they have been able to navigate, navigate through that, keep their faith, have a plan for the future, uh, save for what they need to contribute, but also are upright and virtuous people uh, with a, a proper sense of social skills, but also a good sense of their, their prayer life. Yeah, I'm certainly <coughs> sure that they are, still have many of their shortcomings, their failings and, and all that. But overall, the trajectory was very encouraging to see. And that's what we, we are about as Catholics. The trajectory must be clear in our minds. Where is it that we are going with our families? Uh, our family members are not, uh, and I often see them, I've said this all my life, often many see their family members much like somebody sees a, a, a pet dog or cat. I'm sure you love your pet dog or cat, it's very good, but people are not animals. We have to have a plan for them. You don't have to have a plan for your cat or dog. We have to have a trajectory for our family. And everything we do has to be for that. And we can too often get caught up in the here and now and, not, and miss the whole purpose of what our families are about. What's the parish about? What are we working for? And we can too much get caught up in the nitty-gritties and lose sight of the vision. And it becomes an empty reality. And, and you see this today. People, priests will say, oh, Come to church. Well, my answer is no, don't come to church. If you're not serious about God, don't come to church. Go, some, go and insult someone else. We're not interested in filling up pews. Uh, fill the pews for what? For what purpose? So we can blaspheme God together? That's the modernist concept of the church. They have a religion which is empty and, and humanistic, but also offensive to God. Who cares if their churches are full? Full of rotten minds, led by the rotten clergy who lead them very often. No, we want to be a, a, a parish that's on the plan of God, that's focused about God, who cares about the numbers. It doesn't make you greater because you've got 
greater numbers. Focus on what we're about. And it's not, in that point, it's not just about having children. Animals can beget. Uh, we're not Muslims. They're just savage pagans in their ideology. We have a plan. We're raising godly children in this godly world to uh, bring forth Christ into this world and into the heart of men because Christ is the giver of life and of grace. This is what it's about. And that's, that's not easy. That's a challenge. Uh, that's a battle for us. We have to have a goal, which means that we must know what we are about, what our faith teaches us. Uh, and we have to put it into practice. Uh, we have to lead by example. And, you know, when you're married, your life, much like the priest, is no longer about you. All the time you do, when you, once you're married, all your time is no longer yours. You know, the priest, the good priest, he, he busies his time in preparing things for his faithful, doing things for the parish, um, making sure he prays his prayers. But that's all to live out the reality to which he's called to. Same thing you. All that you do, it's no longer about you. Uh, it's about the common good in which you must reflect and that therefore you have to, we have to lead by example. It's not easy to to know how to discipline children. It's not easy for the, for the priest to know um, how to discipline the faithful. Often you find younger priests will be much more sterner and harder because they lack the, the wisdom and the experience. But it doesn't mean that as a priest, even one with experience, that he, he refrains from uh, saying things. No. But he just has a proper understanding of the nature of the people and he uses a tactful way that is going to be better received. Same thing with our children. We use a tactful way that is better inclined to each one that we discipline. Some, one word, some just a glance. In fact, back in the day, most parents never had to use uh, a word. They just had to give a glance and that was enough to, to shock, send the whole system into terror. Dad gave you a glance, you'd be terrified. And that was enough. Uh, that, was, that was all that had to be said or done. And that's a tactful way of prudence. Uh, you know, and often you see this children where the, the home is, uh, everyone's yelling, the children grow up yelling. The home where the parents are generally quiet, uh, parents are quiet, the children tend to be quiet, moderated, because they see it in their parents. They see the order and the structure in their parents. If everything is disorganized in the homes, well, the parents are disorganized. And the fundamental disorganization is usually in their mind. Their mind is disorganized. There isn't a focus in their mind. It's, and the whole world is geared around constantly distracting you. And this is the whole problem with the modern technology. Every five minutes, somebody thinks he needs to text you about something. And you're constantly, perpetually distracted instead of being focused. No, we have to organize our manner and our time. When we, when we do dish out a punishment, um, much like when the priest dishes out a penance, should be, uh, should be fitting to the crime, should be fitting and proper uh, to the person, uh, not disordered, not done out of, well, you know, I don't like this person, so therefore I give them a bigger penance. No. Um, or I don't like this child, so I give them a harsher penance, a punishment. No, we have to be making sure that we don't crush the spirit, 
but we build up. We build up, correct, yes. We direct, yes. But we don't crush. And, you know, often, and if I can say on this point, there's this mythology, I think, with, um, with married couples. Uh, you know, we, we speak about the Holy Family. Mary was perfect and Joseph was perfect. My spouse is not perfect, yeah. Well, firstly, you're not perfect either. Um, but what's more important is that no one is perfect. We spouses, their goal is to make each other better. You enter a marriage with your spouse with all their faults. And if you, when you're getting married, you don't see the faults of your spouse, that's because you're dishonest and blind. And you should never enter a relationship like that. You must be realistic about your spouse. They have faults. They probably have many faults. Be realistic about that. But you're there to help make them better. Both, both spouses are there. And both have to operate on a different way. Obviously, the women don't, don't attack the male ego. You always come out second best. And the man, uh, be gentle. Be find a way that it's going to be better received. But the mythology that um, uh, my spouse, if only this my spouse, that's a myth. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because the perfect man doesn't exist. Outside of our Lord, it doesn't exist. We help each other to make each other better. Mary made Joseph a better man. That's just a fact. He was already a very great and holy man. She made him even better. Saint Joseph, he brought even greater love into Mary's heart because he was a gentle man. A truly perfect example of what a man should be. They're an example to us. And if you're not willing to be corrected, directed and led by your spouse, well, you're at fault and you'll never be happy. That's just a fact of life. And, and obviously, the spouse should direct, correct in a way that is fitting to you. And if they don't, well, they have to answer for it. But the point is, we make each other better. And if we, after many years, um, you're not better, well, your spouse will have to answer to God for that. Well, all my great friends who will tell me, Father, my, my spouse, when I married her, she was A, B, and C, and they were not good things. But I corrected it in the right way, and I helped her in the right way. And she's a lovely person today because of that help. And likewise, she helps me. She, she corrects me. She encourages me in the right way. And they make each other great people. And this is what it should be. This is the reality of a family life. We draw the best out of each other. And at the same time, in that drawing the best, like children, obviously they're tainted with original sin. Our goal is to draw the best out of them with all their shortcomings, failings, and, and to use their their, um, we might say, characters, their characteristics, for the best. Uh, how do we draw the best out of them? How do we approach them in such a way that's going to build them up, uh, while at the same time we do correct um, those things that do need to be corrected? We, if we sweep them under the carpet, uh, they'll come back <coughs> to punish us one day. Uh, through the child themselves, but through life itself, we do have to correct them. St. Monica had to correct St. Augustine. She had two other children, but he was the most stubbornest, proudest, and arrogant of them all. But she, she was stern with him. But at the same time, she prayed for him and did penance. Uh, it wasn't just about uh, correcting him. It was also the prayer, the sacrifice, and penance, and making herself holy. And then when we are holy, our words start to take effect. Uh, the saint sometimes just need to say one thing to us and uh, it really has an impact on us. We, it's marked our life. Their word had power. 
because they were people of God. Their, their grace flowed from their words, from their eyes, from their hands. Uh, that's an important fact for us. We must be holy. Our Lord, uh, Saint Joseph, Our Lady, their very words, their very glances, their very presence made an impact. We see this in the Gospel. As soon as Our Lady comes to Saint Elizabeth, the child in her womb leaps for joy. The very presence of Our Lady is, comes with an impact because of the depth of her holiness. It should be the same with us. Our presence, our person, because of the grace, uh, the life of grace in us, will carry an impact. That's why I think this year, if you do take any resolution, it should be to improve your prayer life. If you pray rightly, you will learn to live rightly. Improve your prayer life. We want things to change. We want our spouses to change, our children to change. Well, let it begin with our prayer life, our example. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to create a, a family of disorder. Well, we have to live the order first ourselves, which means we must also be first patient with ourselves and patient with our children and those around us. Bishop Fulton Sheen says, Patience can often be seen as a weakness. Patience, no, is power. Patience is not an absence of action. Rather, it is uh, one of timing. It waits on the right time to act for the right principles and in the right way. There's a time and place for this. You know, the example I give, Archbishop Lefebvre, one day, a very close friend of his and, and a very generous benefactor came to him. And he was upset about with one of his children, his, his, his girl, She'd grown up and she had a child out of wedlock. She'd done the wrong thing. He's complaining to Archbishop Lefebvre about this reality. And the Archbishop paused and looked at him and said, My friend, I think that you're more saddened that your reputation has been affected than by the sin of your daughter. And the man was struck. Obviously, it takes courage to say that to a friend. But the Archbishop was right. Often, when our children do err, our, our reputation is affected. You could be a good parent, done the best, and uh, well, everybody says this is such and such person. Uh, it affects your reputation, uh, and our pride can be hurt. And that's important for children to remember that whatever you do in life, it, it says something about your parents. And uh, I always say to them, I. I would never imagine my parents let me leave the house dressed like that or, or uh, without being a good representative of theirs. You comb your hair, you do basic manners, because what you do reflects on your parents, uh, for good or bad. But the reality is sometimes we are more wounded by the fact of our pride being hurt than sorry uh, for that our children have done the wrong thing. And this is, this is no good. We must be accused. It is sad that, like St. Monica, that our son is on the road to hell. Our daughter is on the road to hell. That's very few, very few parents think like this today. Uh, very few. And that's why we see uh, we are in the, uh, the society we're in today. Uh, we are going to be impacted by our parents, whether we like it or not. And it marks us for life. Uh, if we don't correct uh, uh, the things that we didn't correct in childhood, 
they're going to impact us for the rest of our life. And we see this when we go to confession. Often the things that you are confessing, they are things you didn't correct in your childhood. You need to make an effort to correct them now. And they're much harder now because we didn't correct them in our childhood. And that's why it is so important for parents to help the children get the right start in life. Because those things will be so easy for them if they are taught them from their youth. But try to practice them after 20, 40, 50 years of, of being on a deviated angle becomes harder. Even if you've got all the goodwill in the world, it becomes much harder for us. So we, we do have to uh, be aware of that. And that's why you see so many today, they uh, struggle to be married, struggle even to get married. Uh, and once they're married, even to stay in the marriage. How many uh, stay married? And how many in their marriage um, w wish they weren't married, prefer not to be, because of the burden they feel by it, and it, it, when it should be a blessing. It, it should be a blessing for them. It should be the greatest joy for them. And, we, and again, a good spouse will in, try to ensure that the marriage for the other spouse and children is their presence is a blessing for them. And, and those who have children have grown, grown up and they should still ensure that, that they are a blessing to those around them. In the parish, the town, your presence is a blessing and your departure is a great loss. A great loss. We'd weep over the loss because of the fact of who you are and what you stand for and what you do as a person. That should be such a profound, important point for us today. Uh, our whole life must be founded on uh, this life of sacrifice. Why was St. Mary and Joseph and our Lord so great? Because they laid down their life, one for the other and uh, for us. For us. And they had a vision for us. That their life was going to impact humanity to the end of the world. And that's true of you also. St. Augustine, all the great saints that we love, their life has impacted the church and will impact it to the end of the world. So should be our life. All that we do, we say, our actions, the children we raise. And if there are wicked men in the world today, they were raised by parents. If there are good people in the world today, they were also raised by parents. What are we raising? And the question we can ask ourselves, which is really highlighted for us in the Gospel today, uh, how are we growing in age and wisdom before God and men? Another year of grace confronts us. Uh, how are we growing in age, in wisdom and grace? Let us pause and reflect on that. And simply to conclude to you, dear faithful, with the beautiful words of the collect of today's Mass. O Lord Jesus Christ, who, being subject to Mary and Joseph, didst sanctify the homely life with ineffable virtues, grant that, that with the aid of both we may be taught by the example of your holy family and attain to everlasting union with them who lives and reigns with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Ghost, well without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost.